You're listening to the audio podcast from New Walk Church. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Easter New Walk Church. Okay. Great morning. We're celebrating Easter. We're celebrating the resurrection. And I thank you for taking time out of your day to be here with us and to celebrate this with us. I want to share with you, of course, an important message for Easter. But before I do that, I want to bring to your attention something that's on your seats. You got these little cards on your seats. And uh, they're not just decorative. They actually matter. So um, I want to just bring those cards to your attention because they speak to some things going on in this service right now, but also they speak to uh, some things happening in our church in the future. And so first thing I want to bring your attention to, we got this little we got this little card with a paper, a red paper clip attached to it. And uh, I'm actually going to talk about that in just about a minute. And it's going to be very relevant to the conversation that I'm going to share with you for the Easter message. So I'm bringing that to your attention. And so keep that handy. And then also there's this other card with with a graphic on one side uh, and then some information on the other side. Next week, we are kicking off a new series. It's a pretty, pretty great series. And I encourage you to come back. Uh, we have two services on Saturday night next week and two on Sunday morning. And we're going to be kicking off a new series called Tabloid Jesus. And this series is rather fascinating. It's about uh, some of the myths and some of the things that we actually think Jesus said, but he didn't say. Or we think are in the Bible, but they're not in the Bible. You cannot believe how many people think certain phrases and things they, they, they actually live by, they think they should live by, they think they're in the Bible or think Jesus said them, but he didn't. And so we're going to walk through some of those over several weeks. I'm looking forward to that series. On the back of that card, you will see that there's some dates, some calendar stuff. So maybe today, God convicts you to say, I need to take some steps in my walk with God. Well, uh, on the one side of the card there, you'll see that there's what we call our next steps in our walk with God. And there are three items there on the left side of the card. You're going to see that we've got uh, things like a baptism coming up next month or our small group gatherings that are going to start taking place over the summer. Next month, we're going to be registering for groups. We've got discipleship. You know, I'm, I'm taking steps to grow. We got that as well. On the right side of the card there, you're going to see we've got some events, May 7th and 8th. Come on, Mom Palooza. Who doesn't want to be here for that? Man, that's great. Mother's Day weekend, all kinds of other events coming up. And so we just kind of wanted to share those with you. Take that home, man. Put it on your refrigerator, whatever. Keep it as a reminder. Hey, there's some really cool events coming up, not just Easter weekend, but, but other events as well, so that maybe you will re- return to New Walk. I, I, wanna, I mentioned before that I wanted to talk about that paperclip. Have you heard about the guy who made this great trade in his life, multiple trades, and it started with a paperclip. He traded a red paperclip, and after 14 trades, following his first trade, a total of 14 trades, he got a two-story house. It's wild. Some of you, if you have TikTok, there's people that are kind of trying to do this challenge, this thing right now, where they trade, they trade things to try to keep trading up. And uh, it's pretty wild seeing this guy. His name is Kyle McDonald. And he just kind of 
kind of set out to do this is based on a game that he played when he was growing up. And so he thought, well, I'll just, I'll just try this. And so Kyle, I think we have a picture of him. If they haven't put it up, all right, there he is. And the, the paperclip wasn't that big, but it was uh, like the size that you have today. And he just started trading. I, I want to share with you the trades. Here, here were his trades, 14 of them total. He traded the red paperclip for a pin that was shaped like a fish. Then he took the pin that was shaped like a fish and traded it for a hand-sculpted doorknob. He took the doorknob and traded it for a Coleman camp stove. He took the camp stove and traded it for a Honda generator. He took the Honda generator and traded it for an Instaparty. Yeah, this is a Budweiser neon sign and an empty keg that he could go to this place and get filled up when he wanted to have a party. That was the, that was the Instaparty. Some of you would have stopped right there and said, that's enough for me. Okay. <laughs> All right, so then after the Insta party, he took the Insta party and he traded up for a guy who was trying to get rid of a snowmobile. And he had an extra one, so he got rid of it and he made the trade. He took the snowmobile and traded it for a two-person trip to British Columbia, Canada. He took the British Columbia trip, traded it for a box truck, took the box truck, traded it for a guaranteed recording contract. He took the recording contract uh, and traded it for one-year free rent at a home in Arizona took that free rent in Arizona and traded it for uh, one afternoon with Alice Cooper. The one afternoon with Alice Cooper, he traded for a snow globe. It was a very valuable, kind of limited edition snow globe. He took the snow globe and traded it for a guaranteed role uh, in a Hollywood movie, sort of a secondary role in a, holiday, in a Hollywood movie. And at the tryouts, or the, the, the getting ready for the Hollywood movie, he made one last trade. He traded that opportunity in for a two-story home in Saskatchewan, Canada. And so there it is, a paperclip, ultimately, for a home. Uh, that's a, a pretty incredible <laughs> trade. I want to talk to you today about the greatest trade in human history. And there's this powerful moment in the text related to Jesus going to the cross that sometimes if you're not careful, you'll just miss the value of it. I want to bring it to your attention. And some of you will have never heard of this before. Others of you familiar with it, but you've never really focused on it uh, before. I, I want to share with you this incredible trade. And you could come to church, you hear things about Easter, but I think this one uh, is very powerful because it is at the center of everything related to what we do here at at Easter time, this great trade is made. Let me bring you to where this moment is in history that's recorded. I'm sharing with you historical factual information, right? Some people don't understand, but much of the stuff I'm going to share with you in this text here, it's not just written in the Bible. It's historically accurate text verified in other documents as well. But I want to share with you this moment where Jesus enters in, okay, he enters into Jerusalem. Maybe you heard Holy Week begins Palm Sunday. Jesus enters into Jerusalem and they're laying down these palms as he rides in and signify that he's got kingship. They're, the people love him. It's a pretty amazing moment, but if you're familiar with what takes place in that Holy Week, things go downhill pretty quickly. And there's this time where, you know, Jesus is facing heavy opposition. You may not know this, or maybe you do, but when he entered Jerusalem, there was two groups for sure that didn't want any more of Jesus. The Roman government was getting frustrated because people are saying he's the king. They didn't understand it, but like they were saying, he's the king. And they're like, mm -mm -mm -mm. 
And then there was the religious leaders who were upset because Jesus is running around like, well, first of all, he's threatening to wreck their religious system, but he's running around saying he's the Messiah. And that's a big deal. Like, that's a major thing. And, and he's, he's showing that he is the Messiah that people had been waiting on for all these years. And the religious leaders don't like that. They're like, that's blasphemy, man, for you to say that you're the Messiah. And so the religious leaders and the government, they wanted, they wanted Jesus dealt with. Judas makes the great trade. Jesus is handed over. He's handed over to this Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, governor of Judea. He's, he's handed over to, to, uh, to him. And, and now this trial begins. It's sort of this trial on these trumped up charges, sort of like, uh, you know, fraudulent charges almost. People are just mad at Jesus. So, so this governor, Pilate, he has this, in, this time with Jesus, and he, he starts to realize, he's like, hey, you know what? I, I don't think this Jesus guy is that bad. I know y'all are mad at him, but he seems like a really great guy. Let's pick it up. Here's what it says in Matthew 27 and verse 15. Now, at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. All right, let me stop right there. Once a year... The governor would go to the people and say, we got all these people in prison. I'll release one for you. You vote, you pick, I'll release him. So the governor is like, okay, we got an opportunity here. We're gonna, here's what we'll do. We'll present to them all these prisoners or whatever, but, but Jesus will be, surely they'll want Jesus released because he's never done anything wrong. So he's, they got this opportunity here, this once a year opportunity. It says, and they, they had then a notorious prisoner, notorious, called Barabbas. This is a messy, a messy guy. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? All right, they're putting him side by side. This incredible guy who's done all these amazing things, who's innocent, next to a deeply messy man. He's doing this almost really in such a way to say, like, here's the obvious choice. You should want Jesus released. This guy's pretty innocent. But as we know, that's not what happens. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to him, who do you want released? And so, for he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat... His wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much over him today in a dream. Pilate's own wife comes up and says, you need to, you need to let that guy Jesus go. You need to get him out of here. And you should, you should probably listen to your wife. You know? So he's like, okay, now I got a lot of things telling me this guy Jesus needs to get out of here. All right? So, so now the chief priests and elders persuaded the people to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The people are starting to cry out, hey, give, give, us, give, us, give us Barabbas to be released. Let Jesus be the one that's crucified. Uh, the governor again said to them, wait, wait, which of these two men do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas, set Barabbas free. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with the guy who's Jesus, the Christ, this righteous man? What shall I do with the guy who's turned water into wine, who's helped the blind to see, who's helped the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, done all these incredible miracles, raised Lazarus from the dead? What do you want me to do with that guy who's pretty amazing? And they all said, let him be crucified. 
crowds being stirred up by these religious leaders. Uh, Pilate says, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather a riot was beginning, he took water, washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, his blood be on our hands and our children as well. And so and he released for them Barabbas, having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. The trade was made. Barabbas, the guilty, goes free. And the innocent goes to the cross. An incredible, an incredible moment that sets off all kinds of things in human history. I mean, this great trade is why your calendar says 2022. All right, so that you, I've, I've said this before, but you may not believe uh, in Jesus, but you're, every time you write 2022, <laughs> you're recognizing that Jesus came, died on the cross, rose from the dead, because that's what our calendar represents. Now, all right, we have this incredible trade taking place. I want to bring to your attention, though, how this applies to you today in 2022. Why? Barabbas goes free, and Jesus goes to the cross. Here's a great trade, and I, uh, three great trades that you can, ma- you, could, you can make this morning. Here's the first thing I wrote down. You can trade your control for God's control of your life. Release your control over life for God's control. And this is a big deal, because... What we see, first of all, in the text is that Pilate thinks he's in control. Uh, I got this thing figured out. I got this situation handled. We're going to make sure that Jesus is released at this point, and Barabbas is the one who's going to stay imprisoned and die. And it's not working out. You read the text. He's like saying, are you kidding me? (laughs) He's trying to, here's what we know. Pilate was not in control. God was in control. The Bible says that before the foundations of the earth were ever made, God had it planned that the lamb would be slain. We're talking about Jesus. Before the earth's foundations were made, God had this already in motion. There was nothing that Pilate was going to do in that moment to change everything. He thought he was a big dog. He thought he was a God. I'm in control. I can handle the situation. And he was not in control. The requirement that God had put in place is that this Messiah, this Jesus, would come. He would have innocent blood. He would die on the cross for the sins of all of humanity. It had to go down this way. Pilate wasn't in control. In John 19, 11, Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Jesus is saying to Pilate, you're not in charge, buddy. I know you think you are, but you're not in charge. In the scripture we just read in Matthew 27 and 24, when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing. Maybe they'll put that up on the screen. Here it is. Pilate saw he was gaining nothing. In other words, he's trying and trying and it's not worked out. Okay, how does that apply to you in your life? You, there are three levels of control that you will, you, or three areas of control you'll decide to live your life. Either you're all in control, you think anyways, you're in control of your life. You let others control you or you decide to let God control you. Two of them are very unhealthy for your entire life. One of them is transformative for your life. Uh, right now, in this audience, it, uh, here's what we know. 
science, data, it all backs up what I'm about to tell you. In American culture today, we have pushed away, all right, from the things of God, and now more than ever in our culture today, right now, people are more medicated than ever before for things like anxiety, stress, exhaustion, how do I rest, I can't get enough sleep, I'm always tired, my life feels messy. These are all signs of things going on in life where people think, well, I've got to assume control. I'm, you know what, I'm going to push away from God's authority in my life, and I'm going to take control. And when you decide to take control from the guy who's controlling the universe, things get messy. There are people right here, you're, this is your story, you are medicated over things because you're trying to like figure out how to gain control of your life. It is exhausting. There is something that happens when Christ comes into your life and you relinquish control of your life. Something amazing. You won't even understand until you try it. The Bible says you won't understand it until you try it. It's called peace infiltrating your heart. When you trade your control over life for God's control, you get peace. And some of you are on this this. You're on this treadmill, man, and maybe you don't even see it, or maybe I'll bring that to light for you right now, but the treadmill, it's like this. You're on this belt, right? And let's just imagine there's a stain on the belt, and you crank up the treadmill, and there goes the stain. Okay, it's gone, but then it comes back around. Have you, it keeps, so you know what I'll do? I'll run faster. And there went the stain, but it keeps coming around faster. And it keeps coming around faster. It keeps coming around faster. Uh, you and I, in our lives, this is, this is how we operate. If I run just a little bit more, the things I'm struggling with will be in my rearview mirror. And then they come back more. If I try something else, maybe a little medication or something, maybe it'll all work out. And it just comes right back around. Let me run a little bit harder. Let me exhaust myself a little bit more. Let me maintain more control of my life in it just keeps coming back around. The opposite of everything you're doing is what brings the answer to life. It is, I'm relinquishing control and handing things over to God in my life. It's hard to admit that this is how we're living. It's hard to see it, but I'm just trying to bring it to your attention that this is gonna be key for everything I'm about to share with you next, that if you are not willing today, this morning, to release control, it, it, there's nothing else that I'm gonna share with you that's gonna even matter to you. Uh, let me give you the second thing, that, and this is where I wanna spend most of my time because this, is, this impacts you uh, now uh, more deeply than anything else I can probably share with you out, if you're willing to hand over control. Uh, see, sometimes uh, you will hear people say, well, you know, like, what's the big deal thing about Jesus? I, I don't need Jesus in my life now. I'll tell you what I'll do. If there's eternal life, when I get to the very end of my life, maybe the last few minutes, then I'll, I'll say yes to Jesus and go to heaven. And I suppose you could do that if you know when you're dying, if you actually know when your last minutes are. And here's the thing about Christianity. The things that Jesus wants you to know is he has something to offer you for your life right now. And so I just want to spend some time on a topic. It's not related to going to heaven, which is a part of the Easter message and the resurrection of Jesus. But what about for your life right now? And so let me share this with you. Trade your guilt for freedom. Your past, whatever word you want to use, your shame, your mistakes, your mess ups, trade it in 
for forgiveness. This trade that's taking place in the text is one of just that. It's, it's a guilty man being released and an innocent guy, he's having his life crucified on a cross. Now, anytime you and I make a poor decision in life, Something, something happens, something remains, a difficulty remains. When you choose to go against the things of God in your life, there's an unhealthiness that begins to develop in your life. It's just the truth. It just happens. It happens to all of us because we've all made mistakes. Uh, the word that the Bible uses, and you'll hear in church to talk about these mistakes that we make, is called sin. Anytime you choose to go against the things of God for your life, it's called sin. And sin always has a lingering effect. It just does. And, and some of you have encountered this. You know, sin wraps you up. Sin it keeps things uh, from moving forward. It, there's a, a stuck sort of thing that happens when you and I are in the bondage of sin. We don't always see fully how this is affecting us. So I just want to open your eyes to it a little bit more. This wrapping up, this lingering of our sin. By the way, did you know that if you sin once in your life, or many times, as some of you, are like me, you have a highlight reel of sin, okay? It's not just one. Some of you have many, many, many of them in your life. One sin, did you know it can stay with you forever all the way into eternity? Did you know that? You were made to last forever, so you're gonna live forever in one place or the other. Those who still have their sin on them spend an eternity separated from God. Those who've released that sin and have forgiveness spend an eternity in heaven. Uh, there are, that you can, though, commit a sin, and it can stay on you all the way into eternity. Uh, sin starts out, and the Bible's clear about this. You didn't need the Bible to know this, uh, but it's true. Uh, sin starts out with something really cool in a moment. You know what? I'm going to chase after that. It's going to bring me a lot of pleasure and then behind it comes the wave of difficulty that you don't see, right? I've described this before, but it's like, it's like the hook in the bait. And there's the bait, it looks really good, and then the hook, and then the pain that comes. Every sin is like that. It's always going to be like that. You don't see the damage that comes with it. That's the difficult thing, all right? So you, you, know, you, you went to work, and, and there was this married man or this married woman, and and you, you decided to kind of go after that situation, or you were married, and you decided to step out of the bounds of your marriage, and in the moment, it felt good. Like, let's be honest, sin feels good for just a little bit. We wouldn't do it if it didn't feel good for just a little bit. And so we chase after something, and then, then comes the waves of brokenness for years, maybe even, to follow. Uh, you went out that night, and you, you gave up your sexual purity in a moment. And the emotion that comes with having done that, maybe even multiple times. You went out, it's just one night, it's just one, and then the, the, the STDs and, or the uh, unwanted pregnancy. It was just a moment, it felt good, it did. It was good in the moment, then there's these things that follow and having to deal with that emotionally, physically, whatever it looks like, mentally, having to uh, unpack that all your life could be so difficult. Uh, you, you were looking for the quick hit to make a pain go away and now you can't stop or the quick sip and now you can't quit. Uh, you had something that you just wanted to torch somebody over verbally 
to make yourself feel better. And you did. You, you unleashed some words on people. And, and, now, and now the damage and destruction behind that. It felt good to unload. But the destruction behind that. You, you got some ill-gotten gains financially. And you got a nice payout. But now people are coming at you for those ill-gotten gains. And you went out and you took the credit card. And man, you got some really cool stuff in the moment. It felt good to bring that stuff home. But 20 years later, you're still paying on it. This is the portrait of how it works. And I don't share any of this with you to make you feel bad or anything like that. I'm trying to bring to your attention the fact that I shared at the beginning, which is one mistake. It feels like it's okay in the moment, but there's stuff that lingers. And so much of it affects us in so many different ways of our life. This being bound, we, sometimes we just give up. We're like, I guess I'll just be this way forever. You know, uh, I guess I'll just be a statistic like my mama was or like my dad was. I'm just a statistic. I guess I'll have to just live this way, I, you know, I, I, I'll just do the same things that other people have done along the way, or, or I'll get out of this somehow, I'll, I'll try to figure out how I can make myself feel better, I'll try to resolve the situation on my own, and then I can't. I love what a great scholar said about sin, listen to this, sin will take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. It's hard to admit it. It's hard to see how this has damaged us at times. Right? This is, this is how we face difficulty in our world is sin. Either something somebody did to you or something you did to others. And it brings this brokenness into our world. And it's, it's really messy. But if I bring it to your attention and say, hey, you've made some mistakes. Like if we were out on the street and I, I, I went up to you and I said, hey, buddy, you got, you sin, man. You're going to be like, why don't you back off? Get away from me, buddy. I get that. Like it's uncomfortable to talk about it. But here we are in this group setting. And so I'm just trying to bring it to your attention to say, are you willing to kind of take a look at it? I, I know that when we make mistakes in life, there is an emotional weight. There is a physical weight sometimes of those mistakes. There is a mental weight. There is a relational weight or brokenness because of a mistake that we make. But here's what you need to know. Getting into this brokenness and getting out of this brokenness is a spiritual situation. The spiritual situation controls, dictates, changes everything in the physical, in the emotional, in the mental. All that starts, it rises and falls in the spiritual. Your choice in an unhealthy moment of your life to go after something or make a poor decision in your life, that choice was a spiritual decision. And the only recovery for a spiritual decision that you got wrong in your life is spiritual recovery. So the beginning and the end all has to do with something spiritual. Oh, I'll get out of this, baby, baby, baby. I promise I'll do better. I know I can, I know I can kick the habit. I just, I just know I can. I'll get out of the mess. I'll fix myself. I know I can win this. That's humanism. We're not here this morning to talk about humanism. Humanism only goes so far. It's, it's confined. And by the way, if in your humanism you could have fixed the situation and forgiven yourself and figured out how to move on, some, you would have already, but you can't and you won't because it's a spiritual issue and it requires a spiritual, a spiritual fix. I think it's easy to forget this too. By the way, you're here, you're already a believer in Christ. 
uh, uh, God did a work in you a long time ago, let's say, and it happened because of the work of the cross and the forgiveness that God has to offer for humanity. But when you and I start failing at times as Christians, it's easy for us to sink back into humanism. Well, I made a mistake. I need to do X, Y, and Z, you know, to get myself right or whatever. I'll get out of this mess. No, come back. Come back to the thing that sets you free from the very beginning. It's always been Jesus. But many of you have never understood this Easter message. Maybe you thought, maybe you thought God looked at the world and said, I, I got a good idea. All right, all right here's how we're going to do it. Like, I see the world, there, there's some good people and some bad people. And I'm going to send Jesus Christ for those messed up bad people. Good people are good. But Jesus, and you're sitting here thinking, yeah, he's talking about the bad people. Like, that must be what it is. I want to repeat to you. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, before the foundations of the earth, God had planned that Jesus Christ would give his life for all humanity. One sin, one moment, one choice away from God you need Jesus, and so that means every one of us right now, we're in the same boat. God did not look at the earth and go, oh, there's some good people, there's some bad people. I'll sit, you know, it's like Star Wars. We, we can fix those bad people, make them good. No. God sent Jesus Christ for all of humanity. Here's what it says in Ephesians 2, 4, uh, and 5. It says this, but because of his great love for us, but... Anytime you see in the scripture that starting out like that, you know that there was something before that that was a pretty big deal, and now we're going to flip the script. In your conversations with humanity, all right, somebody comes up to you and they say, they use that, that but, that big but, you know, <laughs> that, not B-U-T-T, but they use that big but in the middle of a sentence. Here's what's probably happening. Ready? I really like some of the things you're doing but, and now what's coming next? Something you don't do well, right? That's just, that's just it. And you hear it and you're like, okay, I'm not even gonna remember what you said on the front end because now you're about to attack me. But we'll do that. We'll glaze it up, right? Okay, so I, you know, I mean, people say this to me. Pastor Gary, I really like Newark Church, but, and I know what's coming next. You know, something weird's coming next. And so here we go. And I'm not even gonna remember that they said they love Newark in the beginning. And so you and I know when we see that but there, grammatically like, okay, something is coming that's not so good. Well, in the text where we just read where it said but, actually what was before the but was something kind of ugly. But, but God, but but Jesus, what was before the but? Well, here's the understanding of what was before the but. That when you're dead in your sin, you're toast. There, there's nothing good that's coming for God when you're dead in your sin. One sin and you're dead in your sin. One. Have you ever been to a funeral where they had an open casket? And there was a dead body, of course, in, in there. And here's the thing. And that casket, that person... In that moment, laying there, they're not a good person. They may have been, right? And that's why we have the funeral, the memorial. And we celebrate how maybe good they, they were. But you are, And I know this is harsh, but it's just the truth. Laying there in the casket, that person is not doing good. You can't look at them and say, you're being really good to me right now. I, I love the character that you're displaying right now on display. It's really amazing. You, you can't say that, right? Because they're, they're not there any longer. They've moved on. Spirit, spirit's moved on. And so this person, is, it's just emptiness right there in that moment. 
What the Bible was talking about was that you and I are like that when we are dead in our sins. We're, we're dead. It, it even goes on to talk about it a little, bit, a little bit more. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead, dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. I was dead, but God. I was dead, but Jesus. This is the trade. This is Easter. This is the message of the cross. I was this, but now I am alive in Christ through the forgiveness of my sin. I operated poorly, made some unhealthy decisions, but Jesus, but God. Before the foundations of the earth, God had a plan to breathe life into you, new life. I want to say, when you walk out of here and you don't do anything with your sin, and you don't take part in this trade that Barabbas was a part of, and you, you will walk out of here the same dead person spiritually. And this is why you have to be open to hearing this Easter message. And maybe you've heard many Easter messages and you've been to church at other occasions. Maybe you've heard about Jesus and the resurrection a hundred times. You know what the Bible says? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing. Hearing the word of God. And maybe you're like me, like 99 times I had sat back in the back of the church and I didn't get it. And then one time the pastor started speaking and I'm like, I get this. And I came to know Christ. Faith comes by hearing. You're hearing the word of God right now. And so may, there's going to be people, as a matter of fact, in just a little bit, like in every service we've had here this weekend, there's going to be people getting up out of their seat and saying, that's me. I, I was dead. And they're going to come forward and they're going to say, I'm going to be, I want this. I want this for my life. It's going to happen in large numbers here in just a minute because people are going to say, I don't want that anymore in my life. I'm ready to have faith in Jesus Christ. I'm ready for the forgiveness of my sin. And you'll be just like I was that spring day as the pastor was preaching. And we've been praying for you all week that many of you would make that decision. And in a room this size, let me just tell you, it, 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 you've never probably pastored. Some of you may have. I, I can just tell you, in a room this size, I can feel it that some of you are dead. Some of you hate a decision that you made in your life. You hate a decision you made that affected your husband or your wife. You hate a decision you made that affected your kids or your family or somebody else in your life. You hate a decision you made that impacted you personally. And you don't have to, you may say, oh, I deserve it. No, you, you don't have to live like that any longer. Uh, you can make this incredible exchange. And look, either you believe that Jesus can solve this for you in your life and have forgiveness in your life, or you don't. There's no gray area. It's one or the other. Either you believe this is real, you, you put faith in it, you say, okay, I believe this can happen, or... Or you don't. I think because, see, here's the thing. You're not in control. God wanted you to be here. And he made a way for you to be here. And you thought you came for other reasons, but God's in control. And he brought you here because he knew and you knew that there was something going on in your life that needed to be dealt with. And that's why you're here. You thought, again, it's for other reasons, but maybe not. Maybe there's something deep down inside you go like, I need something that that guy is talking about that, that's being offered before me. Because, like, why would you even come and waste your morning to be here if you didn't think there was some sort of need that was going on in your life? Why not just stay home and, and be your own helicopter and throw the eggs up the air on your kids and let them land? 
Why come here? Because I think there's something inside of you that says, I know that there's something that I need. There's something going on in my life. Let's go back to Barabbas. It's a prisoner. This guy, he's a mess. He's a notorious criminal. That's a word for a really messy guy. Notorious. And what's really sad in that moment, at least it seems, is they put Barabbas next to the holy and pure Jesus. And they start going to the crowd and saying, who do you want to be free? Almost like the redeemer of all of humanity is being treated like an American Idol contestant. Who do you want? And they choose Barabbas to be freed. And Barabbas walks down, a free man. Jesus goes to the cross. And did you know there is no record anywhere in the scriptures that Barabbas would turn around and say, hey, Jesus, thanks for taking my place. Hey, Jesus, thanks, thanks for going to the cross for me so that I could be set free. Now, you hear that and you're like, daggum, what's wrong with Barabbas? Like, he should have been grateful for Jesus doing that. Before you pick at Barabbas, some of you, this is your story. You've heard what Jesus did for you and you've never taken time to recognize it or thank him for it. You've never done it. And you've walked away. You've walked away from that forgiveness and you've never turned to God and said, God, thank you for the forgiveness of my sin through Jesus Christ. I just wrote in your notes, Barabbas is just this. He's you and I. He's got sin in his life. He's made a mistake. He's made many mistakes, bad choices in his life. And he's got some sin. He's got some guilt. He's got some shame. He's got some brokenness. And yet he's set free. An average dude, released as Jesus goes to the cross. Barabbas is you and I. You know what the, uh, you know what the word Barabbas means? Son of a father. Just a, just a regular guy. And you and I are in the same boat in one way or another. One sin, one poor choice, one moment, guilty, but a trade was made. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 talks about that trade. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God set up a way. He said, here's how you're going to be made right with God through Jesus Christ. The sinless Jesus goes to the cross as required by God for all the forgiveness once and for all of humanity. The trade is made. I put this last thing in your notes. Make this trade death for life. I didn't want to spend as much time on this because I think probably all you understand that you have eternal life through Jesus Christ. I wanted to give you the most of how, in that last point, how it affects you right now. But yeah, the trade is made. When you surrender to Jesus, it's eternal life as well. The eternal death is gone. First uh, Peter 3, 18, Christ suffered for our sins once and for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you home safely, safely home to God. He suffered a physical death, but he was raised to life by the Spirit. I'm going to have the band come out. And in just a moment, an opportunity for freedom will be found. I wrote in my notes, and I think it's yours as well. Uh, Barabbas was allowed to leave. He probably wasn't free because 
you still had a sin. Don't be Barabbas. You can walk out of here, you can, and feel like you're free to walk out, and you are free to walk out. But you can walk out of here and still be dead in your sin. And in just a moment, people are going to decide, hey, you know what, I, I, I got I to make that change. You have some things that need to be changed in your life, but you're not going to change your marriage on your own. You're not going to be able to bring reconciliation to your family. You're not going to be able to overcome that thing that's got a grip on you in your life. You cannot forgive yourself. But what Jesus Christ did on the cross was to empower you, was to give you the strength to move on. Jesus is looking at you today and saying, come on, look, let's go. Let's make this choice. Let's make this trade. You're going, all I got is sin. All I got is my guilt. All I got is my shame. God's saying, that's exactly what I want. Give it to me. That's the only trade to offer you can make. Bring your sin. He gives you forgiveness in return. Bring your self-righteousness. Bring your Easter, your Easter attending person. Bring all that righteousness, that self-righteousness anyways. Lay it down and say, I have sinned. I have fallen short. I want new life. I want a resurrected life. Pastor Gary, but what happens if I fail along the way? God says, I'll be right there with you. Let's stand to your feet right now. And we're just going to have a moment where people are going to have that opportunity to make a great trade. You know, the symbolism of the paperclip was this incredible trade up. I'll give you some symbolism today. If you are willing, in just a moment, when I count to three and we kind of begin this process, if you're willing to come out and make your way and come down here to the front, if you will hand over your paperclip, we'll have some people here who will give you this nice little copper kind of coin as a reminder of your decision today in that trade. It's just symbolism. Even coming forward is a little bit of symbolism, but it's a bit of boldness to say, God, I surrender. I, I need, I need what it is that you have. I need forgiveness. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to slide out from where you are and come forward. We're not going to do anything weird. We'll, there'll be people here. If you want to pray, I'll, I'll pray over you as well. But in the end, it's the trade. And look, this is there's a lot at stake. And I think it's really easy in a moment like this to think, oh, you know, uh, what about the eggs out the helicopter, the thing out? It, they'll wait. What about my people that are here with me, the kids, the kids? It'll all wait. What about I'm in the middle of the row? How am I going to get out? Shove some people aside, but get here. Uh, maybe you're seated next to somebody. You squeeze the hand, say, baby, come with me. Whoever it is, come with I'm ready to go. Will you walk down with me? And you have that moment. There's a lot at stake right here. Last night, Friday night, we, we've had hundreds of people already coming. And you have an opportunity to make that decision as well. Let, let me pray with you. God, could it be? God, could it be so incredible? Is it that scandalous of a deal? Is it that simple? Like, and I could be in a place where I say, oh, all I have to offer is me and my sin. God says, that's what I want. See, you came in here today, you got a nice home, or you feel like you're a really cool person. God says, doesn't matter, I want your sin. I got a lot of mess in my life, and I've made some bad choices, some mistakes in my life. God says, that's great, bring it to me. It's that simple. You're dead in your sin, but you can be made alive in Jesus Christ. That's the trade. That's the cross. That's Jesus. That's Easter. I'm going to do this. We're going to count to three and just a little show of hands. People who are ready, they know that they need this. You're going to take that first step, just slipping up your hand. You say, you know what? 
I, I've sinned, I've fallen short. I have never just kind of said, God, thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. I, I'm ready to let him have control over my life. You're ready to make that trade, that decision this morning uh, to just signify that here. I'm a, uh, keep this room calm, please. We're, all the things we're about to do is very important. People's lives are at stake here spiritually. Uh, keep this place calm. But if that is you here and you're like, hey, you know what? I, I got to make that decision this morning. I'm going to count to three first. You just slip up your hand from where you're at and signify that that's me. All right, here we go. Ready? One, two. No, it's not about anybody else, sir. It, 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 ma'am, it's, it, it's about what, what God wants to do in your life. Here we go. Ready? Three. Would you just lift up your hand? Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. His hands going up. Left, right, middle, back, all over the room. Great. You put your hands down. Heads bowed. Here we go. I'm just a second. I, I'm going to, I'm good. The, the band's going to play just a minute of a song, and that minute's going to be used for people to just slip out and come forward. That's all you're going to do, just slip out come forward. When I say come on, I'll count to three. Just slide out and come forward with everybody else that'll be coming forward. Don't be the one sitting there worried about what other people are thinking. Make your way here to the front. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Just come on forward right now. It's okay. Slip your way out. Let's go. Slip your way out. Slip your way out. We have people coming now. Here they come. Come on. Make your way. You're sitting in the back. It's all right. Come on down near the front. More people are coming. Making your way out. Uh, we'll pray over you in just a moment as you come forward. There's more people are coming. It's not too late. Grab that person's hand. Say, will you come with me? It's easier when you do that. Just say, come on down to the front. Uh, I'm ready to make this decision in my life. It's not too late. More people are coming. More people are coming. God's pressing on your heart. Keep coming. Those of you that are here, you're going to engage in this prayer. It's a, just a time, really, of just uh, committing to surrendering to God. Those of you in your seats, you can, uh, if you're a believer, feel free to join us in praying for them as well. If you came forward, just from where you're, you're standing, is it's just this. It's, it's God, I, I surrender to you. I give you control of my life. I believe in the gift of Jesus Christ, forgiveness of my sin on that cross. God, I'm making that trade. Maybe you're feeling right now as you're standing here that that forgiveness is being poured into you and that guilt and that shame is exiting. It's just exiting right now. God, I surrender. Begin that journey with you. I don't understand how all this goes and I, it's by faith and I'm gonna learn along the way, but I'm beginning that great exchange today. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. Hey, hey, Gary, is it that simple? It's that simple. It's that simple. Hey, church, it's that simple. Let's give them a hand. All right, if you made that decision, don't forget, we got a little coin. Some of the- Thanks for joining us. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit newwalk.church. And if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to click the share button and tag us on social media at My New Walk Church. Thanks for listening.